0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body.
1: Hello and welcome to the first in our From the Vaults re-release podcast mini-series. So this year we're going to be sharing with you a few episodes which you may have already heard but we think are really worth Taking another listen to, or finding for the first time if you've not heard them previously. The reason we've chosen today's episode on the topic of coach burnout is firstly because it's still incredibly timely and important topic to discuss, but also because Lee recently sat down again with today's guest Ben to discuss further research that Ben has done in the topic. So we wanted to give you the chance to listen to this first, before we go even more in depth with the topic. I hope you enjoy today's conversation.
0: Hello and uh, welcome everyone to uh, the coaching podcast for British Canoeing. Uh, Myself, uh, I'm Lee Pooley, the Head of Coaching and Qualifications, and this podcast is a a podcast that we've put together uh, to explore a recent piece of research that examines what factors predict burnout in sports coaches and exploring the role of personal and situation stressors. Um, I'm really delighted that the author uh, now works for British Canoe, which is absolutely fantastic within the coaching department. And Ben has joined us to chat with us on the research and mechanisms that coaches could adopt to cope with the demands on their role so a really interesting an, an interesting uh, podcast for people to delve into and listen and i'm also delighted that ben's agreed that this research will also be on the british cano Award Embodied body digital library so if you need any further further sort of um reading into it and, and looking into more detail than we can cover on this particular podcast for the next 30 minutes is um Please delve into the digital library. So welcome, Ben. Um, great to have you. Great to have you working at, uh, at British Canoeing, um, and you'll tell us how long you've been working for, uh, working at British Canoeing uh, and your role there. But I think what would be really useful is, is if you provide an introduction to yourself, a bit of your background, and then why you chose this
1: particular study. Yeah lovely so first of all Lee thank you for having me I'm really looking forward to getting into this topic more I think it's going to be really beneficial for a lot of coaches I think they'll relate to a lot of the things that we'll discuss. Um, So as Lee said I'm Ben Woodruff I joined British Canoeing nearly four months ago now I'm in the coaching department I work as e-learning and digital developer and within the team so looking at ways to upskill coaches and and new creative, innovative ways to keep people engaged and learning throughout their coaching journey. So this research study itself was part of my study at the University of East Anglia. Um, I finished my undergraduate degree there. So this was my undergraduate dissertation. um, And I was looking at burnout within sports coaches. Now, for me, it was a really important topic because I burned out as a coach when I was 18. I was working 30 hours a week at college, then 40 hours a week on top of that as a coach I I was 18 doing 70 hour weeks um and I didn't understand burnout I didn't know what it was I didn't even know it was a thing I felt I was invincible I was only 18 I thought I can keep going this is brilliant let's let's do and I, I ended up burning out um and I'm living with the repercussions three years on from it so for me it was a way to understand what happened to myself um, but also to help others who find themselves getting towards that situation so that they don't reach the stage where I did, where it was a horrible experience. They can get out of it and, and recover and come back from that burnout before hitting that stage. Mm-hmm. In terms of my backgrounds, I've been coaching since I was 13. So that's, oh, crazy, eight years now. Um, I've coached various different sports um, throughout various different settings, all the way from sort of grassroots up to an elite setting. Um, so, yeah, coaching-wise, I'd been coaching a while and, and yeah, burnt out, unfortunately, and, and learnt some quite harsh lessons through that.
0: Well, uh, thanks, Ben, and, 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 yeah, as always, m- many thanks for your honesty of how, you know, how the, the study come about. I think what's really important as well is, you know, um, you know, reading the research uh, and, and thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed the paper. We know that some... Some research papers can be quite hard work and hard <laughs> to digest. So, uh, Ben, um, thanks for keeping me sort of engaged in in, in the way that you <laughs> wrote the wrote the report. Um, but what I thought was really important to, to put across right at the very early stages is of this podcast is this is not just for coaches. You know, this is for um, employers, deployers to understand to enable them to help able to support the health and well-being of coaches that they, they have um, uh, within their, within their organizations, whether it's being a voluntary or whether it's being in, in a paid capacity. So I just wanted to make sure that um, right at the very early stages that, you know, anyone listening, um, this is not just for coaches, you know, and employers and employers have a real, you know, moral um, and legal responsibility to yeah.
1: to look after the coaches within their care so just thought I'd put that um, absolutely and I'll, I'll just jump in there quickly because I mean for employers and deployers there's so many benefits to this because like you say there's that moral um, almost obligation to look after the people that are in your care that you are employing that you are deployed but also from a standpoint of actually it's continuity of of coaching and delivery because you've got the same individuals delivering rather than high staff turnover it's the fact that when they're happy and and feeling good and their well-being is good in their job they'll deliver to a higher standard as well which means the participants will enjoy it more so the knock-on effect is massive and the same thing goes for volunteers because they might only coach let's say only five hours a week but that's on top of a very busy life as well where they've got to balance work and life and then voluntary coaching or assisting, anything along those lines. And they can burn out as well because it could be their burnout in life. And that would affect their coaching. And it's then finding ways to get around that, to get the most out of that coach to make sure that they are keeping well, their well-being is good, um, and, and they're keeping coaching and enjoying what they're doing. The last thing we want is to force loads of coaches, para sport assistants, anyone involved within sport out of a sport they love because they've burnt out yeah absolutely Ben um yeah, absolutely
0: um so as I said is the the research the research um, project was you know what factors predict burnout in sports coaches and then exploring the role of personal and situ situation stressors um so um obviously that was of probably a uh, the question within the research Um, so could you explain the methodology used so you started you started putting this project together uh, and I think it's really important that listeners understand the type of methodology that you'd use to approach this particular piece of research
1: yeah of course so for me um, sort of I'm a very statistical guy I like statistics I like data I like the clarity that that brings, it's a simple yes or no. So within research, there's two paradigmatic positions. So basically a paradigmatic position is where you sit on the research spectrum. So at one end, you've got data, quantitative, which is very one-way answer. Yes, no, this is what the data shows. And then the other end of the spectrum, you've got qualitative, which is rich, often spoken data. So transcripts of interviews and, and bits and pieces like that, that you can take lots of different ideas and views from. So it's that there's not just one way answer. There's lots of different bits. And then in the middle, you've got people who use the data and then use the words to explain what happens in the data. And that's then mixed methods. So for this, I was quantitative. This was statistics um, because it just worked better. There were scales to measure burnout. There were scales to measure my stressors. Um, and and the dimensions of burnout which just helped me massively Um, as a person I'm quite realistically sat on a spectrum and for me I like to have that yes or no I like to have the data that is clear as day this shows this this shows that Um, I like to know what's going on so from a personal sort of standpoint that's why research was taken with the numbers with the data those quantitatively the actual research itself is broken down into three areas so we've got the stressors the moderator and then burnout itself so i researched the different stressors that affect burnout there's 20 30 overall and picked the three key ones that were most relevant to this study Um, So I picked entrapment, which is essentially how trapped you feel in a situation that you you feel you can't get out of it. Coaching stress, which is stress specific to a coaching situation. And then perceived stress, which is the level of stress the individual perceives himself to have. But that includes life issues as well, um, which is really important to consider because that can all contribute to the burnout. Then we had a moderator that we wanted to test. So a moderator is essentially something that affects a relationship. So for example, it could affect the relationship of coaching stress to burnout. Um, And I'd expect it to because essentially with social support, you're supporting someone you're giving them help, you're giving them aid, someone for them to talk to. So it should reduce the effect of that coaching stress on burnout as a whole. Um, And then with burnout, there were three dimensions. And for me, I wanted to measure the three dimensions separately because it allowed us to predict more accurately what a coach's burnout was caused by. So the three dimensions of burnout are emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment. Um, And now what essentially the idea of the study was through the methodology was we would see which of the stressors, so entrapment, coaching stress, and perceived stress linked to each of the three dimensions of burnout. So that when we created a model, we could trace back the path and see, so we'd test a coach, for example, for their burnout level it might be that they came up as emotionally exhausted and not the other two dimensions we could then trace that line back and see which of the stressors was causing that and then use that to reduce that stressor to reduce their chance of burnout so essentially it just gave us a way to predict and and mitigate against burnout more so after coming up with all of this we sent quite i sent questionnaires out it was convenient sampling because i knew lots of coaches um and basically it went to coaches age 18 and over across various levels so right from grassroots right to elite um it was a self-administered 20-minute questionnaire and uh, at the end of it with all of the the questions and everything we had 5400 data points um to sort of use which was brilliant because it was plenty to look at um then we had to analyze the data that's another massive part of the methodology so we used a program called spss It's basically a statistical analysis program. Um, Basically, had to format the data, creating means for all of the data. And then we (laughs) ran. This is where it gets a little bit heavy, so bear with me. Um, Three multiple linear regressions. It's essentially just a form of, of data analysis where you take a variable and see if it affects another. So what we did was we took each of the three stresses in turn and we saw if they affected each of the dimensions of burnout. That's essentially what those regressions were. We found some significant correlations, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then we look for the moderation effect. So by looking for the moderation effect, essentially what we're doing is we're looking to see if social support makes it easier for a coach, makes it less likely they'll burn out. And again, that was just another uh, moderation analysis. It's called a two-stage hierarchical analysis for anyone interested. I won't go into that into depth. Cool. Well, Ben, i um... As I said before,
0: reading the research, um, and it will be available on the on the awarding body website, is that actually all of that all of that data is really well represented within charts and and you know, tables uh, within the research. Um, big sample size, um, you know, really credible sample size, and mm-hmm. you know, those those are the things that we would tend to look at in terms of you know its 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 value um so i think what's really important is you know there there is you know a real solid question that we know is an important area to identify and for us to understand better in terms of what is the stresses on coaches and 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 etc but for me is so what um and you know so what were what were the significant findings within this research you know what you know what did you come up with which is significant rather than you know we always come up with some thoughts when we do research but what was the significant pieces that came to light
1: yeah so again completely agree with Lee. there's always lots of different little bits but it's the challenge is always picking the significant things and then focusing on them and, and how they can then impact the wider field and and in my case hopefully help individuals So I ran the regressions and essentially created a model. And that model will again, be on the digital library. Um, I'll put that on a page really clear for everyone to see. It's the best way to represent the data because it's visual. Um, As a learner, I like seeing things visually. I know a lot of other people do as well. So the, the key sort of findings were that entrapment correlated to every single dimension of burnout. So if a coach was burning out, it was very highly likely Caused by entrapment. So, in layman's terms, essentially, if a coach was burning out, so that could be feeling really tired, poor diet, anything like that, I'll talk more about the symptoms in a bit. Um, it was mostly caused by feeling trapped in a situation that they can't get out of. This was something I experienced as a coach, and this was the primary cause of my burnout. I felt trapped in a situation. I didn't want to leave because I thought I'd let down my employees. I thought I'd let down the people I was delivering sessions to. But in reality, I wouldn't have done because there was another coach who could have stepped in and covered those sessions and I could have then looked after my well-being. But in my head, I couldn't see that way out. I saw that I was trapped in this situation. I was there and had to see it through and had to complete this for my participants, for my employers. And that's what a lot of coaches find with their burnout. And that's what this research has shown. So every aspect of burnout, so reduced personal accomplishment, depersonalization and emotional exhaustion are all caused by entrapment. So breaking that down, reduced personal accomplishment, essentially means that you feel you aren't achieving much. Depersonalization means that you don't see people as individuals anymore. You're more likely to snap at them um, and, and potentially say some words you might regret. And then emotional exhaustion, you feel completely drained, struggle to function, unmotivated. So entrapment leads to all three of them. We then looked at perceived stress. That only correlated to emotional exhaustion. So essentially the amount of stress you think you're experiencing within your life will cause you to be emotionally exhausted through your burnout so if we tested a coach for burnout and they were emotionally exhausted it was hardly likely that they would be that would be caused by perceived stress so the stress that they're finding so how we would then combat that is we would look at their stress levels try and work out where their stress is coming from and reduce that interestingly coaching stress didn't correlate to any of the aspects of burnout So stresses in that single coaching environment appeared to be dealt with by coaches, something they saw as the job and something they didn't find an issue in terms of burnout, which again was really interesting. So the main thing to look at and to consider if you're an employer, deployer, a coach, a volunteer, is that entrapment. Don't ever feel you can't get out of the situation because there's always a way out. Because if you feel that it's likely you'll stay there and you'll stay the course all the way till burnout and that is my interpretation of it is when you're in when you're entrapped you almost stay the course you're there for the length of it till you hit burnout that's when it all explodes that's when it stops whereas coaching issues it's just that one session maybe something you're thinking out between but that will blow over in a couple of weeks whereas entrapment lasts a long time and, and then the last of significant sorry, finding sorry ben. sorry ben and just to sort of
0: you know there is there is a you know um, research out there that actually the coaching the coaching stress that you've been um uh, you know sort of mentioning is actually that's what coaches thrive on um and, and actually makes them um, a, a much more rounded engaged coach um so those stresses actually are although they're stress is sometimes seen as a negative word actually it creates thriving activity within the coaching
1: within the coaching relationship Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, on a personal level, I love that as a coach. I love having the challenges. It makes it more interesting. It gives you something to do and to think about. And we all like that as coaches. I think that's something we all have in common is we like the challenges of working with different individuals that we are working with, of coming up with new ways of getting them to engage. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting, Ben. No, no, I I completely agree. That was a completely valid point. And actually that's something that I've suggested later on that is, is looked at for in further research because, it might be that, that aspect is what's keeping coaches in it. It might be linked to entrapment because they're enjoying that aspect. Um, it's something to discover more. And then the last key finding was that social support moderates two relationships. So it moderates the relationship between entrapment and depersonalization and entrapment and emotional exhaustion. So put simply... If you're entrapped in a situation, but have someone to socially support you, so that could be your employer, your employer, it could be a significant other, it could be a close friend, it could be another coach, it means you're less likely to experience that depersonalization. So you're less likely to be um, angry at lots of people, shouting, saying things you will regret, seeing them as not individuals. And also with that second relationship with emotional exhaustion, it means you're less likely to lose motivation uh, because they're there to motivate you to pick you up. And that essentially is what that shows with that moderation effect. It means that having someone there for you to support you, someone who you trust, like I say, could be a significant other, a good mate, another coach who you get on with really well, will reduce the impact of those two elements of burnout. Well, and, you know,
0: and this is obviously a continuation of Kelly's, um, so 19, uh, I think it's 1994, isn't it? Ninety four, yes. Yeah, research about social support. And, you know, something that, you know, identified within that research was the effective emotional support to help maintain coaches' well-being, wasn't it? Um, And I think that's really prominent in this particular area for, you know, employers, deployers. Uh, And I say that because it's obviously a voluntary and professional, or paid, should I say, Mm -hmm. is, you know, within our clubs, within our talent settings and our talent programs and also our world-class programs is actually... um, Ensuring that there is effective emotional support to help maintain that
1: that 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 that, that coach's well-being, hundred percent. And actually, that's something that I looked at within the study. So, um, we found that coaching is widely regarded as a stressful position, both in professional and voluntary settings. Um, typically, more stresses occur at higher levels of coaching with coaches feeling depressed emotionally exhausted because of targets and, and having their job on the line um, but voluntary grassroots coaches also experience various stressors created through variables such as lack of support in contrast to that professional setting um, with entrapment felt within that voluntary role compared to their work-life conflicts as well um, and again there's a bit of research in there looking at robin's stebbings and, and others so again if you want, have a read of it and you'll see that actually it does affect coaches of all levels. Okay.
0: Well, so everything, you know, when you, you know, my sort of take on stuff and, and you know, you've been with us for four months, but I think you you get into into the way that um, understanding how I think is, is, you know, yet again, I go, so what? Yeah. Um, uh, And, you know, for me is all right, great. So how, can we give anything? Uh, can we give, can we give anything on this podcast that get gets both coaches and deployers to recognise burnout? So what we'll, you know? How do how do we recognise burnout?
1: Yeah, and this this is massive. Um, so burnout, in terms of burnout as a whole, has been around for ages. So first discussed prominently within research by Maslach in 1982. It's been discussed plenty previous. But it's only recently been discussed as a, a mental, don't want to say mental illness because I don't like that word. Um, but it's a mental well-being issue in a workplace over the last few years by the mental health foundation. So it's still relatively new for employers and deployers. So actually it's really important to recognize the signs of it because the coach himself probably won't realize. So again, I'll put my example. I didn't realize that I was burning out, but my tutor at college did. Um, at a stage you wouldn't believe I put on two stone in two months because of it um, which was crazy I hadn't recognized myself because I was so in that depersonalization zone I was literally just seeing things as um, facts and figures and coaching and nothing else didn't realize what I was doing to myself and he pulled me aside and said look you're burning out you need to stop I've recognized it we need to sort this and actually having that ability to recognize is really important so in terms of burnout symptoms, there's a wide scale. And you could have one, you could have all. Um, I was unfortunate I had most of them. So I'll, I'll just give you a few that actually, if you're listening to this, you think actually this applies to me, it's worth going and having a look further, maybe a chat with your employer or employer, or if you're an employer, deployer, and you think one of your coaches or volunteers is experiencing this, again, maybe a chat and a look at their workbook. So burnout comes in many forms. It could be feeling tired and drained all of the time. Um, Having frequent illnesses, predominantly colds, and that's purely because they've got lower immunity because of what they're putting their body through. A change in habits, so they might sleep less, they might sleep more. Um, Their appetite will change, again, either less or more. So in terms of me, it went more um, because I was so busy. There was a lot of McDonald's consumed, a lot of takeaways, a lot of frozen pizzas, um, and that was a massive change in my habit. That's definitely something to look for. Frequent headaches, so if someone's complaining about headaches all the time, again, um, could be a sign of, of burnout. Feeling trapped and, and sort of defeated, again, that links to the entrapment aspect of the burnout and that relationship there. Um, feeling detached and lonely, so it might be that they're trying to exclude themselves from chatting as a group of coaches. They just turn up, do their session and go home, not chatty. Um, and again, sometimes people just have one-off weeks. But it's more if it's a consistent showing. Um, a loss of motivation is a massive one um, so it is a weird place i had no motivation whatsoever yet i still went out and coached 40 hours a week on top of college and it was it is a tough one because you've got to get yourself up while you're not motivated um, because you feel you have to do it and it just becomes a massive chore you have an increasingly cynical outlook potentially um, which again could then impact your coaching because you're not then giving positive points to your individuals your participants you could be saying stuff that actually aren't of massive use to them and procrastination is also an element so i used to do this with my college work procrastinate that massively um, and then again using food and alcohol to cope so one of my coping mechanisms was food um, i ate a lot of food a lot of junk foods um, was not good for my body but it was easier i enjoyed it um it was one of the things i literally one of the only things i enjoyed and then sort of lastly taking frustrations out on others so in the worst scenario on participants, on other coaches, on loved ones, on friends um, and, and sort of pushing them away. So again, if you're a coach and you've recognized another coach taking their frustrations out more than others, it could be a massive sign of burnout. So it's definitely worth having a look into it. And I mean, obviously have a look at this paper, brilliant, but also research on mind on the mental health foundation um, on calm, the charity for, for living well, have a look on these places for anything you can do to help individuals that you're in contact with because it will mean more to them than, than they will know. And I think that the next big thing, obviously you say, what if, Little, What, why? So what? I've just given all of these symptoms. Why? Well, we want to stop what happens when you reach burnout. And that is this is one of the most horrible phenomena you can see in the research that people... completely regret doing it and I completely regret putting myself to that stage Um, so why why do we want to stop it well if you reach burnout you'll get anxiety depression panic disorder you're living unhealthy because of a poor diet and a lack of exercise you have a loss of joy you don't really enjoy anything in life which is quite horrible you're a bit of a lost sheep you when when you've burned out you're sort of wandering around aimlessly just getting on with life and, and no one wants to do that you know lack of productivity a lack of that coaching continuity you're not giving that same standard of coaching to your participants and deep down you know you want to you know they deserve it but you just physically can't get it out when you burn out and I can't stress this enough it is a long-term impact if not caught before you reach burnout stage it's been three years since I burnt out um, a little over three years since I burnt out And I still suffer. Um, I personally, because of it, um, now have to live with panic disorder, not something that's fun. Um, Something that I've had to say medication for and bits and pieces like that. Very open with coaches because I think that actually talking about my experiences should help them understand that if you burn out, it's not a, I'll have two weeks off in a Caribbean, come back fine. If you burn out, it's a long-term impact. It's going to last you for years. Um, and that is why we need to stop coaches burning out. We need to stop this culture of working coaches right until they burn out. We need to keep them safe, safeguarded, yourself safeguarded, your employees, your volunteers safeguarded from this psychological phenomenon that is burnout. Yeah
0: well, Ben, thank De- thanks very much for your honesty and um, you know I'm sure the listeners, you know, you know are, really engaged in terms of you know your personal story and I think you know just to reiterate there are you know there are mechanisms that um within uh, employed employed establishments that you have got mental health first aiders yeah. um but also you know within clubs you know it, it's something to really consider you know, that you know is there a mental health first aider within that within that particular club? And if there isn't, is there a mechanism that they've got that someone um, that they can actually talk to? And you know, yet again, as part of this podcast, there'll be links at the end that you can actually um, that we've we've provided before in terms of if people want to talk to anyone or any or agencies that we have links with. So, thank you very much for that, Ben. I think the last bit for me is. Um, is what mechanisms you know what are what what could you what could you recommend as, um, as mechanisms of coping with the demands of 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 coaching because coaching is com- is complex you know and I've never made any any apology apologies for not trying to simplify coaching because coaching is a very complex activity and to me, it is an absolute profession. Whether you do it voluntary or through paid, it is an absolute profession that takes many years to get to a coaching level. So, um, or a coaching a coaching standard. So, um, what do you? What What would you be recommend recommending? Is mechanisms to cope of the complexities
1: and demands of of coaching. Yeah. So again, I could not agree more, Lee. And this is the more. Um, I say joyful part because it's the way that you can detach from that coaching and you can keep yourself enjoying it. Because at the end of the day, we all coach because we absolutely love doing it. And the only reason I'm talking about burnout is because we want to stop people getting to the stage where they don't enjoy it anymore. I went for a couple of years where I didn't enjoy it. I'm back loving it again. Um, And we don't want people to miss out on time doing something they enjoy. We all coach because we love it. Just finding ways to cope with the demands. Like you say, it's a massively... And demanding profession, volunteering capacity to have. So there's sort of four branches of mechanisms that are the best ways of coping. In, in, in from my personal experience and from sort of research and, and looking at other bits like the Mental Health Foundation, Mind, academic journals. So the first one is to talk to others. Um, that's that's always the stereotypical one. It's talk to others, share or share your issues, and obviously it's easier said than done but you don't even have to share issues you're having. It's just reach out to the people closest to you, spend some time with them, have some fun with them, have a laugh with them. Um, Limit your contact with negative people. If you find there's negative people in your life, limit your contact if you can. Um, It's only going to drag your outlook down and make you into a more cynical person. Add to that depersonalization aspect of the burnout. Um, Just try and live that positive lifestyle. A, A good way of having that positive outlook in your life is to connect with the community or, A charity something that is meaningful and enjoyable to you um, preferably out of coaching um, because it just gives you that detachment so it could still be within the sport it could be going into a primary school as an after school club um, to talk to people about paddle sports because you're not coaching Um, it's taking you away from it. it's giving you a bit of joy it's 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 altruistic it's just something different other than coaching it switches your mind off but it's something you're passionate about and still engages you that's the, the takeaway there the second bit is reframe the way you look at coaching. It's really important, and I'm, I know you'll agree with this, Lee. To look for value and positives in every session, no matter how small, even if you think it was the worst session you've ever delivered, make sure you reflect on it and get two, three, four, if not more, even if they're small, positives and value from that session, because that will really help you a progress your coaching. B, avoid burnout. And C, just enjoy every session that little bit more. Um, Make sure you have a coach life balance. Don't let coaching take over everything you do. And by this, I mean, if you're a provider, make sure you switch your emails off at a certain time. Don't look at them at 11 o'clock at night. If You're a voluntary coach. Don't sit and plan a session at one in the morning. Make sure you have a barrier. Go to the pub with your mates. um, Head out for a paddle yourself without thinking about coaching go for a kick around at five side football, anything like that, to just take a bit of a step away from coaching um, and have that coach life balance. And also take some time off. I'm not saying take half a year off, just take the odd week off here and there to allow you to recharge, to, to recoup and to go again, um, spend some time with a family or friends, even just doing bits and pieces around the house, but taking time off is, is really important. I know you'll agree with that as well, Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, And then sort of strand three, again, similar to this, re-evaluating your priorities. So set boundaries for coaching. Make sure you've got accessible hours, but don't push them. Um, Something that I had to learn massively when I was a coach, I would be sat at midnight, just in bed looking at emails and I'd be up at six the next morning ready to go and coach. Well, actually that's not healthy. Um, So now I make sure that come six o'clock, I don't look at my emails. That app then locks screen time on my phone at six o'clock I can't access it until the next day um, which is sort of a really good practice going forward and and manage people's expectations don't keep making yourself accessible within a minute of them asking because they'll expect it all of the time take a break from technology you're looking at screens and stuff all of the day take a break from it Um, take a break from the negativity that some of that sometimes brings take some time to be creative and free so it could be I don't know doing some art some cooking Um, again head out on the water have a paddle but don't think about coaching and just enjoy it and and have that sort of be creative and free and then set specific relaxation times now this this for me was really important in rebuilding my coaching back up after burnout Um, it could be just sitting and reading a newspaper book um, listening to a podcast again preferably non-coaching because it switches your mind off a little bit and there's some really good funny sporty ones on spotify on podbean anything like that um, if you want to relax the british canoeing coaching podcast that's a, that's always a good listen um, <laughs> um and then stuff like yoga meditation um, and my personal favorite this was the one that, that sort of really helped me an inflatable lazy spa hot tub you <laughs> never underestimate the value of an inflatable lazy spa hot tub Um, and then yeah just eating well getting plenty of sleep so seven to nine hours but aim for the nine a lot of people aim for the seven every night aim for the nine because it gives your body time to recharge it pumps spinal fluid through your brain resets that and allows it to go again if you don't give that that opportunity burnout's more likely um which leads me quite nicely onto strand number four um which is exercise and diet so that can if you get it right Boost your mood and well-being. Make sure you're aiming for sort of 180 minutes of exercise a week because again, it helps keep your body going. It keeps it regulated. It's a really good stress relief. I can't stress that enough. Exercise the best stress relief you'll ever get. um And then again, yeah, have better fuel in your body. um It makes you feel better. It gives you more energy. You're much more likely to be up and about um, and 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 going and moving. And I mean, I'm, I'm aware I've been talking a lot about this, but there's 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 an analogy that someone once told to me I'm going to repeat it because it helped me understand burnout and, and actually fueling your body properly and looking after your body so much more. So your brain's like an engine. It's the engine of the car. Um, when you burn out, when you're at that stage of burning out, it's like you're driving everywhere in second gear at 8,000 revs. The engine's not going to last like that. It's going to explode eventually. So what you've got to do is maintain it well enough. Once it's damaged, it's going to be incredibly hard to fix. It's going to take a lot of time to fix. So what you've got to do is look after it and maintain it in the meantime. Needs regular maintenance. So for example, the engine needs oil and coolant to keep it running smoothly, so we've already exploded and breaking. Well, as humans, we need to exercise. We need good sleep. We need good food because that keeps us running smoothly. We need that break away from coaching, from work, because that keeps us running smoothly. It lowers the revs lessens the chance of the engine exploding, burnout being caused, and some irreversible damage happening. So yeah, that that analogy is something that stuck with me, and it's, it's sort of a really good way to try and understand the impact that burnout can have on an individual.
0: Yeah. Well, really, really enjoyed that, Ben. And, you know, some of the things that, you know, sort of resonated with me is the, um, you know, as coaches, um, you know, is our is our role to to work towards an individual's independence, um, and you know, so I say regularly, you know, as coaches, we should be working towards redundancy, that they aren't as reliant on us. So, you know, managing expectations and actually for them to to make choices, and you don't have to be, you know, have to be on the on the end of the phone or, or available all times. So I think is really important. Um, and one of the things that, you know, over, over my time um, coaching and, and now working at British Canoeing, it becomes really obvious that, um, that the individuals that get involved with coaching tend to paddle less for themselves. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a fine balance, isn't it, that yes. uh, it's fine in time, but actually um, we all got to remember why we fell in love with the sport and uh, and revisit that from on a regular basis. So, Ben, one other thing, you know, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. I really do hope that all the listeners have enjoyed this podcast. And um, and as you know, what I've said, and also you've you've repeated for me, which is very useful, is that actually the research will be available on the British Canadian Awarding website uh, uh, within the digital library. So um, after listening to this podcast. Please delve into it, and um, and uh, for everyone out there, whether you're a coach, whether you're an employer or a deployer, um, we have a, a responsibility of, of ourselves and others, and and for the for the health and well-being of of coaches. So, thanks very much, Ben. You take care, and um, hopefully, uh, people will be listening to, to our next podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.